You're listening to The Business Marketing Show. On this special episode, we have guests Leela Cosgrove and Gulliver Giles from strategicanarchy.com. You can find us at businessmarketingshow.com on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. On this episode of the Business Marketing Show, we have special guests Leela Cosgrove and Gulliver Giles from strategicanarchy.com. These guys will be speaking on sales and how to improve your sales at the Netpreneur Summit in Tokyo, Japan on the 5th and 6th of September. So thank you for coming on the show. Welcome, guys. Yay, pretty awesome, dude. Thanks for having us. They're they're full of awesomeness. Isn't that awesome? (laughs) So, we can barely contain. <laughs> Thank you for coming on the show. It's great to have you. Now, you guys are going to be speaking at the Netpreneur Summit uh, in Tokyo in Japan. Um, not, I don't think there's any other Tokyos anywhere else in the world, but <laughs> I just said <laughs> I'd. Tokyo, Queensland, that Tokyo. Yeah, uh, yeah this, this is exactly it. Uh, so, I. Thought it'd be great to have a catch up before the event, so people can find out who you are and what you're doing and um, what your business is about. So now, starting with Leela, because uh, she, I wanted her to give her the chance to get the drop on Gulliver and cover anything bad that he might say about her uh, first. <laughs> so, so you owe me one, Leela, because you get to go first. <laughs> so give me give us a bit of your your background. So. How did you get started with strategic energy? I'm I'm going to be falling over my tongue uh, saying that strategic this Strategic anarchy. Strategic. Oh, you have to say it posh like. Strategic yeah, anarchy. Okay. If you enunciate, it's easier to say. Okay. Awesome. I've, it's, I've it's because business is anarchy, but in a strategic way. Ain't that the truth? <laughs> you have, you have the strategy until everything falls to parts and then it's fucking anarchic until life, you can figure out what the fuck to do about yeah, it. Life is just anarchic, basically. Um, that, so that we fits. started, we got started kind of, it was, it's 10 years ago this year, actually. It was a decade ago this year um, <laughs> that I was at the time um, working in a day job as a temp, couldn't hold down a proper full-time day job because I have a lot of attitude. Uh doesn't make me a very good employee. <laughs> Excellent no, you, entrepreneur. You, you, not unemployable good, i like it like literally unemployable i couldn't get full-time work i had to have temp jobs because i had no references because my bosses didn't like me so completely understandable i would hate to employ me i'm a nightmare so um i was in these temp jobs making like a hundred dollars clearing like a hundred dollars a day um married to somebody who wasn't gulliver at that point and uh, kind of was in this situation where i was always desperate for money so this is 2005 went online desperately looking for like work at home kind of opportunities and found guru.com, which, you know, in those days, the freelancing websites in Australia had like, like you didn't get work in Australia. It was Americans who like only really hired other Americans. Um, But I I listed on guru uh, and a couple of months later, I got a message from a guy who was in Australia uh, and he ended up being the uh, managing director of J. Abraham Asia Pacific. Uh, and he was also the chairman for a while of EmpowerNet, who are the guys who bring Tony Robbins out to Australia. Uh-huh. Um, 
So I had already at that point, I'd done Tony Robbins' personal power things because I was a bit of an insomniac and was always getting like revved up by his personal power stuff at 4am. And I was like, maybe I should buy those recordings so I get revved up at like a time that's not 4am because that would be probably <laughs> more useful. Um, so I knew a little bit, but I didn't really know that this sort of, you know, internet marketing, wealth creation, personal development industry existed. Um, but that was how I got involved. So I spent four years working for him in a writing capacity. I was working, um, developing USPs for people, creating their information products, doing a lot of marketing stuff for Jay and Tony's companies in Australia um, and got really sort of heavily, did what I call my apprenticeship, spent four years sort of working, not exactly for him. I was running my own independent business, but for all intents and purposes, I was only really working with him and his clients. So that was sort of my four-year apprenticeship. Um, when it came to the end of that, Gulliver uh, was at a point where I'd moved to Sydney for a year to work out of the offices. We were living in Melbourne at the time and I'd gone to Sydney for a year to work out of the offices of, of the Jay Abraham slash um, Tony Robbins company. Yep. And yep. we got about six months into it and Gulliver and I just were like, you know what, we, we've just lived apart for six months and we were really unhappy not being together. Um, so Gulliver decided to throw in his day job, his corporate day job and um, come and sell for my mentor. And we lasted about six months doing that before we went, you know what? <laughs> we just did a, we did like an event that we did like a million dollars in sales at and it was only Gulliver and I doing the sales. And we were like, why are we doing this for someone else when we could be doing this for ourselves? So yeah. at that point, we kind of struck out on our own and went, all right. It was not as easy as we thought it would be. There were a few missing parts in that equation as we found out. But, <laughs> it's, um, but yeah, but that's how we got started. Awesome. So we'll go back to the parts that were missing later to find out what they were. Um, so now you guys are married, is that correct? Correct. You are. Okay. Different surname. So you've you've kept your surname. So I wasn't quite yeah. sure. I didn't want to, you know, people often in it. Like, people do get surprised. It's like, are you guys business partners, life partners, both? Um, yeah. It, it's when we got into the business, we were, like I said, it was me for the first few years and then Gulliver came on board and we were dating with, gotten married while we've been in the business which was one of those interesting things making time for a wedding when you're also hustling to grow a million dollar business um but yeah I, I kept my surname just because I'm pretty well known as Leela Cosgrove and so it was like although Giles is a really awesome buffy surname that I do use in my personal life for the business I kept Cosgrove yeah I completely understand that when my wife and I Lois got married this is a long time ago now I was Smith and her surname was K K E A Y, and for some reason, she wasn't too keen about taking on Smith. I don't know why that is, but so we came up with the hyphenated version, which is good because we're the only ones in the world. So it's it's great. It's very unique branding. So I, I get why you want to stick with your name. I love that. So so Gulliver, you've been very quiet. You haven't said anything, which is he's good. He's he's biting. He's so his disciplined. He's, he's waiting. He's like. He's yeah. like a thoroughbred racehorse waiting to come out of the gate. He's like physically he restraining himself. Oh, Wilbur. Because once he starts. <laughs> My favourite show. Mr. Yes. Ed, that's me. the extrovert in the relationship. So Leela's very kind of generally oh. the introverted, shy, retiring one. So when she talks, it's really hard for me to shut my fucking mouth, you know, <laughs> but I, I try really hard because when I don't, I get myself in trouble. <laughs> I can't imagine why. I can't imagine why. So give us your, your version. Uh, what is it that you find interesting in terms of, you know, you, you're working with your wife in, in a business and I'm assuming on a daily basis. Yeah, uh, it's different. Yeah. Um, how, how is that working out for you? 
It's kind of like, you know, some people kind of, um, some people kind of slept with the boss to get the promotion. I kind of slept with the business to get the boss, if you like. I'll expatiate upon that further. Um, we got together. Uh, I was a sales um, manager of a, of a sales team uh, doing commission-only sales, calling people out the yellow pages. And Leela was this kind of, you know, woman who just kind of gone through a fairly messy divorce and we met and we were both going through stuff and it was incredible because we you know if you if you go back 10 15 years tell me that we'd be running a multi-million dollar sales consultancy and helping people grow their businesses and make money and change lives i would have said fuck off that'll never happen yeah you know because sales was something i did i would have said duh i would have said yeah of course (laughs) yeah yeah of course you would (laughs) Leela's Leela's the real driven entrepreneur, you know, artist, warrior kind of profile in the relationship. I'm a bit of a plotter. So I was an employee, died in the wall, manager, promotion, 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 but it wasn't always that way. Where I started out was in punk rock. I wanted to be a musician. I wanted to um, play quite a lot of gigs when I was young, Um, got to 24, realised the girls that that were – were chasing me, were now running in the opposite direction, you know, and the beer gut just wasn't that good looking and the receding pattern <laughs> wasn't really working for me. So I thought, well, what am I really good at? And what I'd been really good at since the age of about 13 was talking girls into doing shit they shouldn't on the phone. Uh, so you're, yeah. you're the Johnny Rotten of sales then, is that what you're trying to say? Yeah, exactly. So I thought, what am I good at persuasion talking to people? What should I do? I should probably get a job selling because I'm good at that. So I got into corporate and where I discovered people really, really like to give you money if you were good at persuasion. So that 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 went, you know, True. very well for me in some respects. But in other respects, I was miserable because I wasn't really a, a suit-wearing corporate kind of guy. I didn't really like the politics and the games. And yeah, I'm good at with I'm good with people, but I didn't really like the kind of people that I was having to deal with in corporate because I didn't care about them or what they did, and I didn't really believe in what my company did. And sales was a very kind of scary stressful place and then managing a sales team thrust into management because I was the best on the floor at the time it was very confronting for me because I didn't know how to manage people I had no training and this is about when I met Leela and she sort of said to me you're miserable and I said fuck you now I've got a car and I've got a house I've got to do some editing in this uh, podcast you can just beat me out if you need to but um, I think I think like she was kind of like the struggling entrepreneur, artist, writer, and I was like the, you know, the, the musician who'd given up on it, you know? And I was like, I've got this job and you're telling me I'm miserable and I'm making money and you're not, so, you know, screw you kind of thing. And we, there was a lot of tension in the relationship around that, but I finally hit this point where I realized she was right. Like, I, I wasn't really satisfied. I wasn't doing what lit me on fire, and I moved to Sydney to, to build the relationship with her and went out on a limb and started in a completely different industry, and, and we've gone from strength to strength, and we've, we've had our hassles and our troubles and our tribulations to get here, but I think all that adversity, it's kind of like being married to someone that you've gone to war with. Yeah. It's like being married to someone you've been in a military conflict with. Like, we've, we've done everything together. We've lost hundreds and thousands of dollars we've spent hundreds of thousands of dollars we've we've sold houses to float the business to pay the ato we've been through thick and thin we've been through the big wins and the big losses together and i think when you're in business it's not like a, you come home at 
fucking six o'clock after some beers at the pub with your guys and a chance to defrag and you, hey, honey, I'm home, what's for dinner? It's not that relationship where you just get to spend quality time with each other and work time is compartmentalized. You're like, it's you're like, in it. You're, you, at, you're in it 24-7. I, I know it well. Exactly. I, I mean, well, we've been together for 10 years, so almost we met about the same time I met my mentor and I started the business. So we've been together for 10 years, and in that time we've been in business together for six years. And um, I, like I always say, for all we've been together for 10 years, if you work out, if you work it out on like an hourly basis, most people have this big chunk of the day that they go away from their partner. Yeah. If you work out on like an hourly business, because we're 24-7 together on planes, in hotel rooms, we work two metres away from each other, the level of intensity is more like a longer-term relationship than even 10 years because it's just like on a per-hour basis, on a per-day basis, the amount of hours we spend together is so far, and the level of stress in it as well is so far in excess of what I think normal relationships go I through. I feel like, you know, we've been, we've been together for 10 years. We've been married for four yeah. Coming up on four. Yeah. We're going to be celebrating celebrating our fortieth marriage anniversary. <laughs> Pretty much. Next year. <laughs> One of that grumpy old, old really couple are. that are always in here. <laughs> hey, you shouldn't have done that. Uh, well, look, <laughs> so I've been married for twenty seven, twenty seven years, I think. So, um, but but together with my partner for a few years longer than that, so it's been over thirty years. But and that's the thing, you go through a lot of things together. You know, you experience different uh, ups and downs and um, and we don't work in the same business together, but we, you know, she has a business that we sort of uh, work together on, uh, but it's not the same business as, as my internet marketing business. But yeah, I know where you're coming from. It's it's a, but you wouldn't have it any other way, would you? Like sometimes I, you, we both paused when you said that. Sometimes I would. There are times I'm like, fuck it, go and get a day job, <laughs> leave me alone. Oh yeah, we all have that. Look, everyone has that. I think anyone who's an entrepreneur has those moments where they just go stuff it. You know, it would be so much easier. But then you stop and you think back to what it was like when you were in that game and you think, no, this it's it's 90% bad and 10% good, whereas now it's you know 10% bad and 90% good. That's yeah. the way I look at it anyhow. Yeah. So yeah. talking about family and relationships, looking on your website, there seems to be a, a lot of people other than your two beautiful dogs that are in the photo that have the surname Cosgrove. So I'm assuming there's a bit of a family uh, tie there with people working in the business? Yeah, I've hired like 90% of my family. Um, <laughs> you must not really true. like them then. I have, two, I have two siblings who don't work for me, but both of my parents uh, and my sister work for me. Um, it was always my goal, my why for building my business and making a lot of money. Um, and I think I had this in my head from the time I was five years old. Um, when I was five, Gulliver loves to tell the story about how when I was five, my parents were arguing a lot because they were saving up a deposit for a house. And um, I was five years old. I went and picked all the gardens out of the, the flowers out of the garden and made little posies and sat on the street selling them and made a grand total of a dollar, which I took inside and handed to them with uh -huh. a big smile, telling them they didn't need to fight anymore because here was some money. So I've always had this thing in my head of making a lot of money, but my point of making a lot of money was to support my family, and that's always been my big goal and my big outcome. So um, I hired my mother first, um, and she's sort of our HR manager slash um den mother of the business uh yep, yep. and then i hired my sister and she is awesome she's phenomenal she's the closest thing there is to a clone of me so she's really gotten very good at marketing and copy and facebook and all of those things and i rely on her very heavily 
Um, and then we call dad the transporter because he basically <laughs> takes care of just like bits and pieces of anything that needs doing around the business in the house. But yeah, I mean, that's always been my whole point to having a, a seven figure business has been about being able to support my family like that. Very cool. Very, very cool. Very, very very cool. cool. Now, um, you guys have been doing a lot all over the place looking at uh, the website. You've had a lot of uh, good interaction with some, some major players like Frank Kern and Ryan Dice. I was just over at the Traffic and Conversion Conference in Sydney. You guys weren't there by any chance, were you, at the Traffic and Conversion no, Conference? No, okay. okay. That would have been strange if we were both there, but we didn't name. <laughs> so um, so what's it been like working with those sorts of guys? With you know, Frank Kern's a bit, a bit of a legend and a... Um, in the internet marketing space. So how did you come to work with those people? Um, I first ran into Frank. I went to Dan Kennedy's Info Summit in 2009 Mm -hmm. and Frank was speaking at that and that was the first time I'd heard him speak and I fell in love with him in about the first 10 seconds of of his present. bastard that he is. (laughs) Oh, because he's on stage and that was during his surfing phase, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah. In no shoes with long hair, drinking straight bourbon in the middle of like all of these middle America suits and I just thought it was hysterical. And I actually called, I I was there on my own and I called Gulliver up in Australia. I was like 2 a.m. in Australia. I called Gulliver up. I'm like, dude, dude, I've just seen this guy speak on stage and I have this feeling like we're not going far enough. And so Frank was a real inspiration. That was 2009. Frank was a real inspiration. Um, When he released his um, Operation Total Freedom program in, was that 2011? It was just like I tried to buy stuff. He didn't really sell a lot between 2009 and 2011. He didn't have a product launch. There were no products. And I wanted to buy something from him. So as soon as I had this opportunity to buy something from him, I jumped into it um, because he's always been a hero of mine. Uh, And from there, we just ended up – I did what I like to do, which is overperform in programs and be the best student because I'm a nerd. Um, And so then when we went to the event at the end of that, Frank had me up teaching sort of the distinctions I'd had around Facebook advertising. Um, Then he got Gulliver up and talking about sales because a whole bunch of guys in that program were closing using Gulliver's sales method. Um, And then from there, we did did a few business deals and stuff together, which was then Frank introed us to Ryan and Roland and the guys and said, hey, you need to get them to train your sales team. So we adore Frank. He's a good guy. He's super cool. He is. He is good. I've been uh, following him for, I don't know, it must be 12 years or so now. So that's he's a, he's a good guy, has some fantastic stuff that he imparts, and he's just, yeah, stuff you. If you don't like what I'm saying, get lost. He's, he's one of really rare people in the industry who, you know, we spent – a bit of time with him socially as well as as well as for business stuff and he's exactly the same person off stage as he is on stage yeah. like he just there's no pretense with frank there's no bullshit with frank he just does what he does and thinks what he thinks and says what he says and i really i'm that's the way i am as well and i really appreciate it in other people is he's just really straight up it's the way to be absolutely um subject of sales seeing as it's what you guys teach and it's what you're going to be talking about at the Netpreneur Summit. Um, as far as I'm concerned, everybody's selling everything all the time, 24 hours a day. There's a lot of people that come up and say, I don't like sales. Or I don't I don't sell. I'm not a salesperson. And I just want exactly to fuck them. That's exactly voice. That's exactly what they sound they, like they to all, me too. They all speak like that's that. That's exactly yeah. what it sounds like to me too. Yeah, yeah, that's good. I'm glad I nailed that. That's That's encouraging. <laughs> That's, I hear what you're saying. It sounds like, wah. Yeah, wah. yeah, yeah. And, I hate money. Yeah, yeah. 
yeah, yeah. I'm, I, I so get sick of hearing that. So uh, in your viewpoint, and I'm pretty sure I know what the answer is going to be, do you think everybody is selling all the time? I think that especially the people that are selling you on how it's all right to be a little pussy and not try and help anyone your whole life and sit behind your computer screen programming Infusionsoft to send out 75 emails to sell a $3 fucking ebook. Those people are the best at sales. They're selling themselves on being a fucking lame douchebag for the rest of their lives. Yes. You know, and I think and the people who are even better at sales than that are the people who are selling the amazing kind of sales that isn't selling because they're selling themselves on how it's okay to sell, sell sales even though you're scared of sales and a douchebag. And there's a whole bunch of those douchebags as well and I'd love to see them in a dark alley because I think ultimately like before we ever had a multi-platinum selling CD, before we worked with Frank Kern, before we worked with Ryan Dice, before we got international recognition, back in a galaxy far, far away, there was this thing called the Australian Speaking Circuit. Mm. And no one was talking about sales. Everyone was. Oh no! Literally, people would like laugh us out of the room when we talked about getting on the phone and making sales. People would literally laugh at us. I remember an event. Well, I won't mention the name of the guy because I quite like the guy, but the event was full of little douchebags. Where it was about VC and funding, and the, you know how to get your startup going. And the guys on stage were all these guy guys who'd taken millions of dollars in venture capital, mm. and they said, "What's a good way to?" get money into your startup company and one university student studying entrepreneurship at RMIT put his hand up and said, oh, getting a loan from the bank and everyone clapped and then someone else who's like, you know, some dude who's working in a bank and isn't an entrepreneur but was going to start in a business one day put his hand up and said, getting venture capital and then I put my hand up and said, how about pre-selling your product and everyone cracked up laughing. Yeah. And that's the- It's scary, isn't it? That's, it's terrifying that that's how people think. That's that's where nothing the great happens bubble. until a sale is made. Correct. That's where the great amazing bubble that bursts and sees all these people lose their their shirts comes from. Is this amazing mythical fucking situation where we're going to make all this money from doing nothing, and then one day it's going to be valuable, kind of thing. If you're not making sales, great brands are born from sales. Brand is a fucking result of sales. So in this environment that we came into. Everyone was selling the amazing marketing that markets itself and you just keep marketing and then one day sales happen magically from the internet and, and <laughs> rain, money rains from the sky while you, you know, while you snort cocaine off the erect nipples of lingerie models on a beach in Hawaii kind of sales. And <laughs> That's a picture. <laughs> yeah, you can see why people were throwing thousands of dollars at it. Give me yeah. some of that. <laughs> I saw dudes who would, who would not spend money to learn how to actually close deals rush to the back of the room to spend $30,000 on the amazing marketing machine that would make no sales, but you wouldn't have to do any sales. Yeah, <laughs> ironic. <laughs> and, and these guys are now broke and unsurprisingly so. You know, their phone numbers no longer answer. And this is horrifying to me and it's something I call sales loathing. And I think it's, a, it's an endemic sickness, particularly in Australia and the UK, it's a real problem. Less so in America, but it's I there thought, undercover in America. Yeah, I think in the yeah. US it's more undercover. In the US people will say, oh, I'm a wonderful salesperson, but when you dig there is actually a whole bunch of sales fear. It's just that they cover it by saying they're really good salespeople and they love sales. They just don't want to do it. They want somebody else to do it for them. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, so, so I came into the business when Leela was, you know, like this information marketing, content marketing, attraction marketing genius. And... What we did was we started marketing, okay, guys, come to our stuff and learn how to position yourself, learn how to 
create your unique value proposition, learn how to create your content, learn how to create information products, learn how to create premium level online programs. What we found out was everyone who wanted to do that, almost without exception, had no real business and could not make sales. Mm. So we ended up having to teach this because people just like, they had no idea the nuts and bolts, the nitty gritty of how to turn a lead into money. Yeah. And that kind of bootstrapping kind of Bushido kind of belly to belly street fighting sales that we come from is kind of getting on the phone and closing. This actually perfectly ties back into before when you're asking about, you know, what the mistakes were when we left our mentor, the, the holes that we hadn't realized. Yeah. The biggest hole that we had at that point was we were excellent salespeople, but my mentor had a list of 20,000 people. I literally, when, when Gulliver left and started working with me, we literally had a list of 25 people. Yeah, okay. That was, like, that was it. It was 25 phone numbers and no idea about traffic, advertising, like absolutely no idea how to do it. For the first year, Gulliver rang the same 200 people every week and we somehow managed to pull, you know, $200,000 out of that. That's amazing. The same two hundred people. Wow. Two hundred people. Yeah. It was ugly. It was, <laughs> it was ugly. Not and, fun. and those people hate me, I'm sure. But here's the thing. We realized what we took for granted was what the entire wealth creation internet marketing market doesn't know. Which was the belly to belly skills of actually getting over your shit and closing people. And that's yeah. where we really came into our own because our, our content was a mixture of Leela's incredible marketing content, incredible, you know, content creation, niche creation, messaging, voice, all of the stuff that we take for granted from her many years in the industry on the back end of some of the greats standing on the shoulders of giants and combine that with that hardcore bootstrapping salesperson philosophy and putting those two things together is the perfect machine of love and grace. And what we really, I guess what happened to us, particularly over the last few years is We've become thought leaders from that point of view. And now there's all these people who are calling themselves sales experts and happy to talk about sales and it's no longer something that's confrontative and scary because we've popularized it. And I think from that point of view, we have, we have changed the industry, but now the greater, the greater work for us is to change the world. And for me, particularly my mission is to change the way sales is viewed to the point where I'd like to see it taught as an honourable journeyman's craft, profession, vocation, training. I would like to see it in tertiary institutions. Yeah. That's where I see it. Before I die, I would like to see it taken seriously um, because so many businesses at their very base level, you know, carpenters, doctors, lawyers, um, plumbers, anybody who's going through any kind of vocational curriculum is taught how to do what they do but not how to sell it and not how to make, make, make a decent living from it. And they're just, they're just left to the wolves. Cry and shame. It's, it's ridiculous. And it's one of those things that I, I think um, I've always found funny, and you guys may agree with me on this one, when you, if you're working in the corporate space or any, any space where the sales and marketing departments are separated. I mean, and they never, hate each other. And they hate each other. I've never understood. It's like, okay, one does not survive without the other. I mean, you need to you need to do marketing to get into the position where you have the opportunity to sell, and it, uh, totally. if and if you're not selling, then all the marketing was just a complete waste. It's like traffic and conversion; it's the same thing. The traffic is one thing; the conversion is the sales. Exactly. So, 
people and I think though people sometimes say sales and marketing and think of it as one thing it's not for me yeah. like marketing marketing the only point to marketing and one of the reasons I'm not big on stuff like PR for me the entire function of marketing is to generate a qualified lead yeah. Like that's the whole point. That's the whole yep. reason you market is to generate a qualified lead. In my case, particularly, I'm looking for phone numbers, and then and then the the, the idea of sales is to turn that lead into money. Yeah, like that's yep. it. That's what that's what business is. It's marketing and sales. But like, absolutely, there's always this distinction between the two in corporate. And I know as a marketer, my best marketing comes from going to Gulliver and saying, all right, what are our clients saying on the phone? What are the questions people are asking? What are prospects concerned? What are their fears? <laughs> what are people worried about right now? The, the, the really good ones. And then that gives me great content, copy. It, like it really improves it by like thousands of percent. Yeah. You're feeding the hungry crowd. I mean, that's yeah. it. They're, they're telling you what they want and you come up with the solutions and, and move them away from their pain points. And that ultimately... You know, this sort of stuff is critical for anyone who's setting up an online business because I've had several thousand um, small businesses come through our training workshops in, in Perth and most of them are exactly like we're talking about. They're scared of sales, you know. They want all the warm, fluffy stuff, but they don't want to actually ask the questions or, or get the client or the visitor to their website to a point where they have to do that. And I go, well, everything else is a waste of time up to that point if you don't do that. So, Wouldn't it so, be nice if anyone just handed you a million dollars every day and you could just sit around and jerk off and play PlayStation? Wouldn't that be great? <laughs> sure, I had that dream last it, night. It's like this podcast is going to need like an adult language warning. <laughs> I think it might. Everything, everything we do does. We could, we could get banned off iTunes. <laughs> I, I, I can, Look, I mean, if Bill Hicks hasn't been banned off iTunes, we're probably okay. But I think, <laughs> I think for me it's like, a big, the big, the biggest part of sales for me is being able to be one hundred percent authentic and honest. I think the big thing and one of the big differences in what we teach about sales and what Gulliver does beyond what other people do. Sure, our script is phenomenal and our tactics are wonderful, but the foundational philosophy is where the gold really is. Yeah, and I think being able to be one hundred percent authentic and honest and just be whoever the hell you want to be in a sale is going to enable you to filterlessly, effortlessly attract the people who really are going to get the most from you. So if you are caught up worrying about what you sound like or how you speak or, you know, whatever it might be, then you're not giving them your full asbestos, 100% undiluted, straight from the barrel cast strength awesomeness because you're caught up worrying about what they might think of you or whether they might like you or whether they like the F-bomb or like no, the people people who like the F-bomb will come to me. People who don't will really not enjoy my... <laughs> I don't know. That's it. That's it. That's it. We've had fundamentalist Christians, Jehovah's Witnesses, um, Mormons come through our stuff because they understand that, yeah, we're very extreme and we're full on, but they get that... Our message is not, hey, be like us and swear and be out there. It's be true to who you are. That's true to who we are. And, you know, if you're a Mormon, you should be true to your Mormonness. You know, it's not like, yeah. so, so we get people who are like, who are like the most straight laced people you've ever seen in your life come through our stuff. And I'm always like, okay, like, I'm going to swear. Are you aware of that? And they're like, yeah, that's cool. That's fine. I just like, we just ignore that part. We're not going to yeah. do it. Cool. I'm not asking you to. And I think, I think, like, I think that's that's really for me is freeing people from the idea that they have to be 
anything other than what they are to make a sale. Because I think a lot of us have in our head that in erroneous and inaccurate supposition that, you know, that, that we have to be this kiss-ass kind of obsequious, crawly bumlick to get the job done or on the other side of that, that we have to be this asshole kind of super closer, you know, fly your, your, your helicopter into a mountain of cocaine and hookers kind of dude as per the movie. You know, you don't have to be either of those things. You have to be you and be honest about what you can do to help the person. You have to love them enough to call them and try and help them and do your best for them. But then you also, I think, have to have enough self-respect not to make a liar of yourself in order to get the sale, whether that means calling them on their crap, whether that means being who you are, whether that means standing up for them getting the best possible result, whether that's firing them on that call. I was going to say, whether it's like flicking the people who aren't right, you know, when it's somebody who just is not coachable or not a good fit or you're not going to like working with them, having the self-respect to not take their money and saying, look, we're not a good fit, see you, goodbye. No is probably the most powerful word for me in sales. Like, I mean, you know, if you call 100 people, you're not going to get through to 50 of them. So many newbies I meet, like they, they're taking every phone call that they leave a voice message as a personal attack, you know, and whittling yes. away their self-confidence. And then there's 25 people who just tell you to get stuffed in the first 10 seconds. And take those guys personally, that's 75 people that you could take personally before you even get to the, tw- you know, the 25 people who are left, 10 of whom might actually buy something from you. Yes. So. Yep. I think I think like your real job as a salesperson is getting rid of inappropriate prospects and guarding the gate, if you like, as much as it is trying to get sales. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Look, so I was very fortunate when I was young. I was exposed to sales. Um, well, I think everyone's exposed to sales when they're at. at you know, from when they're born, uh, and and use it very well as children manipulating their parents. I mean, that's selling right there in in its purest form. And um, but when I was eighteen, I was ex- exposed to the Amway business, and I, I joined Amway um, and learnt a lot in that. I'm not in it anymore, but I learnt a lot over the years I was in it on how to sell. And we would listen to sales training tapes, and so it really sort of exposed me to that industry of selling. And then that helped me when I was selling real estate and I was selling new homes. And um, I always found, and I'm sure you guys come across this, that there are certain people who are really good at selling uh, face-to-face and there are other people that are better selling over the phone. How do you cover those sorts of differences with people's selling styles? Um, I think that for me, when you strip off the paint job and the fluffy dice and the rims, Underneath it all, the sales are sale, whether you're doing it face-to-face, whether you're doing it on the phone, whether you're doing it in copywriting, whether you're doing it on a VSL or whatever it might be. Yeah. Um, people who are better at selling face-to-face include everybody because when you're selling face-to-face, you have a lot more control. You can see body language. You can see tells. You can see a lot of stuff. Um, however, you've got to get those motherfuckers face-to-face. Yeah. So for me, like running a running running a, a, an events and education based business for many years and selling into events, you know, you, you, you want to get the people to your event so that you can close them, but you've got to actually get them there first. Yeah, we had this experience in two thousand and nine. We still used to go and kind of sit down and do coffee meetings with people, mm-hmm. and um, we had this one experience with this guy that somebody had referred to us and set us up with. We went and he kept us waiting. For like, he was playing little corporate games with us. He kept us yeah. waiting for like half an hour. 
And we ended up leaving and not waiting. We ended up walking off. And that was like the day when Gulliver and I were like, you know what? No more. We're not going to sit down and do coffee with people. Ever. It, like, because we'd had to drive into the city. We'd lost half the freaking day to do this, right? Amen. Like, You're just right? like me. <laughs> and that's when we went, you know what? We're not doing this face-to-face thing anymore. No, you're not going to get to, it's such a control mechanism. Come to this place and meet me and pay for my coffee and waste your day to talk about something that we may or may not do in the future. Nuh-uh, not anymore. Coffee is for your friends. Go and have coffee dates with your friends. It's not for potential clients. I might do coffee with potential JV partners, but not like, not potential clients anymore. It just, it's too much of a time waste. And it's always the people who aren't really serious and who just want to feel like, Oh, yeah. Having coffee meetings. Absolutely. Absolutely. Anyone who expects me to get on a plane to go see them (laughs) with no money down can go get fucked. My opportunity cost is way high. Like, like if I'm going to make this business run at the level I want it to, I could be spending time doing interviews. I could be spending time with my dog or going fishing or making $30,000 sales or whatever it is I want to be doing. I, I, I could spend eight hours of the day and do eight appointments and close the the five most interested of those into a $36,000 coaching program or I can waste an hour driving to see someone, maybe get a sale, maybe not, and then come home and lose three hours on a maybe. Yeah, absolutely. So so I don't think there is a difference between people who are good at face-to-face and people who are good on the phone except that the people who rely on face-to-face are less efficient and less effective and when I was running my call center we had a rule you don't go face to face and every time someone wanted to talk me into going out and seeing this guy because he was really really serious they'd come home without the check and I'd say right so have you learned your lesson because you just lost half a day of dialing yeah look I have been running uh, this company now for, for 12 years in the web marketing space and I probably, out of all the clients we have, I've probably only met maybe 15% of them. The, the rest I have, you know, I've spoken to on Skype or on the phone, etc. And that's how I do deals is on, on the phone. And typically in Perth, because that's where I am, if, the, if people want to catch up for a coffee or let's, let's, you know, have a coffee. And if they use the word pick your brain, I hang up instantly. <laughs> No, that the um, phone goes down. There's, there's no, there's no, and they call wait, me back. Oh, did, did you know that connect? thing you charge for? You know that thing you charge for? I'd just like to sit down for you with you for an hour and not pay you for it. Yeah, yeah I completely don't value your time. I mean, they may as well just say all that instead of saying pick your brains. But my wife and I, that's that's it. That's it. They've just killed themselves. Yeah, they're, they're dead. You're dead to us. Um, but I mean, typically, I'll say if someone wants to have a have a meeting, I'll say. Yep, happy to have a meeting. It's $550 an hour, including travel time. Or I can talk to you on Skype for 15 minutes for free. I'll, I'll do that. And I'm happy to do that because 15 minutes, I'm at my desk, I'm in my office. It's not such a big deal having to have a shave and horrible things like that. I mean, that's disgusting, yep. you know, and shower and then go out and see people and drive in traffic. My wife always laughs at me when we go out, you know, and we hit the peak hour traffic and I say, to her, what's this? What, what are all these people? What, what are they doing? And she goes, it's peak hour traffic, darling. I go, oh, that's what people it is. Go places. People go places. <laughs> we, we always forget about that. We always book our flights and then we're at, it's 5.30 and we're on the way to the airport. And the <laughs> Why did we do this? How did we get? Oh, fuck, that's right. We don't just, go anywhere don't or do anything. like that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, that's that's 
we, we need a helicopter or some shit. We, we need do. to we need to really get into the mountains of cocaine. We need, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I, to, to answer your question, if people want to do face to face, that's awesome. But if you can close, you know, the same three people without leaving your office, and you can, and you can, yeah. Why? Yeah, yeah. I prefer. I like face to face sales. I'm like a demon when it comes to like retail and face to face for sure. But it's just not practical. Not not to grow past. You know what? If if you're happy to be a hundred and fifty thousand dollar a year consultant, you can do coffee meetings and do face to face sales. But you're going to really struggle to grow much beyond a hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year doing that. And that's great if you want to be a corporate employee. And I think what a lot of this comes from that same sort of ethos of hey. I'm on a wage, you're exactly. on a wage, let's fake and make an excuse to get the fuck we'll out of the office for half the day and have coffee and strategize. And pretend like it was work. And pretend <laughs> strategize. I like it. And that's, and that's great if you're on the day job, on the payroll, yeah. wasting someone else's money and time. Yeah. And that's awesome. And, and I've been that manager, I'm sure. But now that I'm running my own business, it costs me $700 an hour. We are all, as business people, we are all in commission-only sales. We, we are all commission-only sales people. Dead straight. Absolutely. We cannot afford to lose hours of the day on a, a wing and a prayer. You know, like you just, you can't afford it. Yeah. Words of gold, folks. Words of gold. So we've been talking now for 40 minutes. Wow, that's gone past quick. So um, we should probably let you get back to, you know, making some money. Um, (laughs) So people who are thinking of coming to Netpreneur Summit and they maybe hadn't thought about the whole sales process, they're all wrapped up in the traffic side of things or whatever it is they're thinking of coming to Netpreneur Summit for, I think this is something that's been added. I was really happy when James told me you guys were coming, even though I, I didn't know you guys. I hadn't heard of who you were at this stage. But the fact that there was something coming to talk about sales, I was going, cool, we really need that because that gets missed a lot. So people who uh, are thinking of coming and they still haven't bought their ticket, um, in terms of what you guys do, what is it they're going to get to see from you guys on stage? Pressure. Well, ordinarily, um, you don't get to see my presentations on sales unless you're part of my $36,000 a year mastermind. We don't do public events of our own anymore. We only do high-end stuff. I mean, getting in to see us costs twenty-five grand and up. Yeah, so if you're, if, you're, if you're looking at Netpreneur Summit, and I think the price tag on that is around $1,000 or so, or less even. I'm not sure how much yeah, is it. $497, I've been told. Yeah. Plus, it's in Japan, and you get to go to Japan. Yeah, that was what sold me. I was like, Japan, I'm going to doing that. Yeah, look, if, if you if you if you are looking at the price tag on that event versus, and, and I'm just one of the speakers, and Leela's just one of them. I don't know. I don't know. Like, I've looked at some of the guys you've got, and they're heavyweights from major institutions, and maybe even more interesting than me. Although it's difficult to believe anyone could be, I guess for dollars to dollars to see me on stage for less than twenty five, thirty grand, you're you're, you're looking at a real bargain to see Leela on stage to talk about this high-level stuff. And what we're going to be showing you is going to give you some massive shifts around how you can really generate massive ROI and freedom from your net-based business. So we will, we will show you ways to make more impactful, more connected sales and give you great shifts on how you can change your mindset and close a lot more business feeling great about it working with people that you love. Absolutely. And I'd say also that 
even if you don't want to be a phone salesperson, and I get that, like Gulliver's very much somebody who loves that space. For me, sales is something that I have learned to love. It's not something I naturally loved. I'm an introvert, but it has made me, I'd say a thousand times better a copywriter, a million times better a content writer. Even if you don't want to be a phone salesperson, understanding this process and engaging in it and really putting you, throwing yourself in the deep end, even though it can be really difficult uh, for those of us who are introverts and who would rather hide behind a computer screen, it will make you better. It's going to improve your sales process and it'll get you there a lot faster than just writing copy ever could because you're going to have that immediate feedback of like what you've done right and what you've done wrong and whether people are buying or not. And if you look at internet conversion versus phone conversion, standard kind of figures for online conversion, what are we looking at? Like 1% to 3% from Somewhere direct mail. Yeah, yeah. If you look at a sales standard shitty sales conversion, if you're crap, is 5%. So if you want to double or treble your online business turnover and you're shit and you're just like dog fucking a football ugly when it comes to sales, <laughs> I can literally, I can literally, literally double and treble your, your ability to profit from what you're doing in a few hours on stage. Me and Leela can give you some awesome stuff that will change your whole mindset and give you some real usable tools that'll make the pissy little 500 bucks you spent to get into this event seem like an absolute pittance compared to what you get out of it. And that's just us. And you've got a lineup of really rock star, superstar, badass mofos as well. So looking at net, (laughs) obviously. So looking at netpreneur, like you guys are really. Did we mention we're salespeople? (laughs) Not at all. (laughs) Would you you like to get that in now? (laughs) If, If you hadn't noticed already. Um, so you guys, you guys obviously have an amazing lineup and you've got some incredible value and you're charging virtually nothing for it. So it's going to be a rock star party level awesome thing. I guess, I guess for me the big value is understanding your industry and understanding at the upper end of your industry at the highest echelons of the most successful internet marketers in the world who are also, by the way, the biggest, most introverted, painfully shy geeks <laughs> in the universe. If you look at my good buddy Frank, yeah? Yeah. He is on the phone closing sales. Yeah. Yep. If Frank Kern is generating leads, doing appointments and closing sales on the phone and making millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars from it, maybe, maybe, just maybe, it's worth getting over your shit. So what I can do for you, if you show up to Netpreneur Summit and if you take my advice and if you actually listen to what I have to say and put it into action is I can help you even if you're the most painfully shy, introverted, pathetic geek on the face of the earth. That's me. <laughs> I specialize in taking people like you from worried about it, scared about it, hating it, to embracing it as the job they have to do to build their business, to have the freedom they deserve, to help the people that deserve their help. And I'm happy to talk to you about that. If you show up at the summit and buy me a sake or buy me a beer, nab me afterwards, more than happy to, to walk you through your stuff and help you. I'm super happy to be involved with you. Get your ass there. There you have it. If you don't turn up after that, you don't deserve to. So um, thank you very, very much, guys. That's great. I look forward to being on stage with you and talking stuff and uh, more importantly, catching up after at the bar or wherever we end up going in Tokyo, which could be interesting. I'll be Um, be bringing a change of livers. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) 
and uh, you've got a you've got a very short space of time there. Um, I know I'm I'm, hang, I'm going to be there for eleven days, hanging around doing the mastermind group with James and and help helping with that. But um, you guys have got to go off to another end. Where, where are you going to straight after Tokyo? We've got a. Uh, it's going to be an insane trip for us. Actually, we've got a um, a five day in-house marketing event we're doing for our high-level members in Cairns. Um, and then we fly out straight after that to the States to do a, a five-day for our members in the States as well. So it's going to be a crazy whirlwind September for us. Sounds like fun, though. Life's never it was, boring, is it? it? Never. That's the one thing it could not be described as. <laughs> no, def- definitely not. So thank you again for your time. I know you've got a lot on and appreciate you taking 47 minutes out of your time. And... Uh, we look forward to seeing you in Tokyo. Yay, Tokyo! It's going to be rocking. Awesome, man. I can't wait to meet you all there. If you haven't got your ticket, get your freaking ticket because this thing's going to sell out. It's going to be awesome. I'm looking forward to it. Awesome. awesome. Thanks, Leela. Thanks, Gulliver. Rawr! Catch you soon. Rock on. You've been listening to The Business Marketing Show. You can find us at businessmarketingshow.com on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher.